Bigger than cakes. Give me some more silence. And welcome to Bigger Than Capes. Um, today, we are lucky enough to be joined by an author who has written many, many things, um, most notably Star Wars, Doctor Who, Warhammer, things that we don't cover on Bigger Than Capes as a podcast. Um, but uh, he's also written some indie stuff, which is hopefully what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so, hello to Kevin Scott. Hello. Hi there. How are you doing? All right. You are heavy with the cold, but I am. I, so I apologise to anyone who's listening to this. I sound like I'm gargling gravel, um, but I'm. Sh- I'll try not to aspire halfway through the interview. Although that would, you know, make headlines. <laughs> it would. I mean, you know, get some hits. Um, so our standard first question, which we ask everybody, um, mm-hmm. is how did you get into comics specifically um, as a reader and also as a writer? Um, from a reading point of view, um, it was growing up in the late 70s and early 80s and being obsessed with things like the Beano and the Dandy and Nutty and Wizard and Chips, the sort of humour comics that we used to get here in the UK every week, um, just full of of lot of slapstick um, humour. And from there, I, I sort of graduated. Actually, I, I, what am I talking about? I still read them until I was in my now um you know so um i graduated in 2000 ad um marvel uk titles which were there were many um and so that was my way into finding comic shops um and from there yeah i just became a lifelong fan um and for writing i'd been working on doctor who for for a few years this was before the show came back i was working for big finish a company that does audio dramas um and got a little bit of work off the back of that for some doctor who comics and so um yeah that was my way into to writing as well was it similar with the books was that how you got into writing books and other such things or did that come as a separate thing well, because uh, I started, I, I was a journalist. I was a, a magazine journalist um, working for a company called Future Publishing in the 90s on things like SFX magazine. And from meeting people through that, I was around when um, Big Finish Productions, who do audio dramas, start, started to do the Doctor Who range. And so I pitched um, for that. And so that, that was the first sort of writing work I'd done. I've been writing what we now call fan fiction for years and sending it off to fanzines of various various ilks, whether that's Doctor Who, Star Wars, Star Trek or comic stuff. Um, and so wanted to make the jump. So, yeah, and the, the Doctor Who who it was a time where they didn't know doctor who was coming back they were they that they i think the bbc honestly believed it never would and so um it was a good time to jump into it um and so yeah when the show came back um and was the massive hit that again no one really expected it to be they needed people who were sort of steeped in in writing doctor who at the time and so yeah that's where it came came from and over time i sort of like phased out my magazine work and started doing more and more um audio book and, and comic work excellent um just a quick question beano or dandy oh i was beano through which and through. was your well, preference 
yeah Beano um it was well and Nutty Nutty was I, I used to love Nutty which would mean nothing to vast majority of people listening um but it was where <laughs> Banana Man was first um first from oh, and yes. and I mean years later I ended up writing for both the Beano and the Dandy which is a lifelong ambition you know tick and I ended up writing Banana Man so it sort of went a bit full full circle there um but yeah and also yeah things like Wizard and Chips and Topper and and Buster I begged, borrowed and still stole um, to try and get as many as I could. And because at the time, everyone got different things. So, you know, I was a Beano fan and a, a Nutty fan. My next door neighbor, you got the Dandy and Wizard and Chip. So we used to read each other's, you know, and used to say, at school, they used to be, used to swap them around. I mean, so it was a massive thing. And it's just such a shame they don't all exist now. I mean, the Beano is literally the last one standing. Um, and a, a one, a sort of Dandy annual every year. So, yeah, it's... um. It's a big tradition that we've lost, and I think we're we're worse for it for kids getting kids into into reading comics. Yeah, I have to agree because I started off with the Beano, mm. that was my way in. Um, so Shadow Service. Yes. I can't remember how many issues we've had now. Is it fifteen? We're on fifteen I, now. Yes. I have. Yeah. So it started back in 2020. Uh huh. By my research. Um, yeah. I can't remember that far away. Where did the initial idea, because it's been described as spycraft meets witchcraft, which was one description. Yeah. yeah um, Ops, where Black did that Ops initial idea? Of- I think it was just sort of the inside of my head, because I grew up, I say, around that time, growing up in Britain, being a lad, I was obsessed with James Bond. I loved Doctor Who, and I loved the side of Doctor Who, which was... When he was what a unit, which was the group of people, the military, who was all like fighting the alien event invasions. Because of Doctor Who, I was massively into monsters. That led me into Hammer, which led me into Universal, which led me to Stephen King, and led me into horror in general. So for years, I used to try and write these stories about this group called MI666, who were a supernatural spy service protecting Great Britain from demons and monsters. And they had short stories that appeared in really obscure little anthologies and i just tried to keep this going um and to build it and it was it never really clicked it never really worked and then i was talking to vault comics to adrian was at fort comics at a comic con in in san diego a few years ago now and he was saying very you know it's a lovely moment he said we'd love to work with you have you got anything you could pitch and my brain went completely blank and then suddenly in the back of my brain there was mi666 and so i went tinker taylor soldier witch and he went what's that and i went i have absolutely (laughs) no idea um and i sort of like spun this bit of thing about you know what i've been doing and he said well that sounds really interesting go away and come up with a pitch and what i did was i pulled lots of the elements from these stories that i've been writing and put in the pitch but i still didn't really have I couldn't make it work and so what i needed was a lead character and it was the lead character that we came up with for the series um gina who is a witch um who is basically someone who um is very alone thinks she's one of the only people in the world who can use magic and she gets recruited um for this the shadow service for mi666 and that was when it all 
gelled. That's when it came together. Because I think I was trying to write a story about a existing, pre-existing group of characters. You know, they've been working together as a team. And of course, you need that way in. And you need that. And I've always liked in Spy Stories, the person who gets tapped on the shoulder and, you know, by someone from the Secret Service saying, come and work for us. Um, so, yeah, that that was it, really. And, and so uh, it, was, it was one of the quickest commissions I think I've ever had. Because as soon as a I put it to Adrian. He was like, I love it. We've got to do it. So I was like, yes, thank you very much. Um, and, but I don't think even then he, I didn't explain to him the gestation period and how long it actually <laughs> take to get to that point. But sometimes that's what the, you know, the best ideas take time and you've got to find the right moment. And it was definitely the right moment then. That was it. Um, so obviously you've had it in your head for a long time. Mm. Um, you've got too good. Or you've got Corin Howell and yes. Triona Farrell on the art. Mm. um how much does the art that they come up with how does it match what's been in your head oh it's improved things immensely it, it we absolutely has pushed things on so i knew corin i'd worked with corin but never actually met her um so i'd worked her on a star wars comic quite often you write scripts and an artist draws them and you you're in different continents you never get a chance to really meet or talk sometimes it also often goes through the editor with um some of the bigger um bigger companies and so I knew Corin through that. We'd worked on a Han Solo story together. Um, and Adrian was the one who suggested her. And he'd been wanting to work with her and he thought it'd be a good fit. And as soon as he said that, a light bulb went out. I was like, yes, I, you know, because I knew she was a huge horror fan like me. And so we started to talk about things through. And what happened was, is that Shadow Service has gone, even though I said I was a big fan of monsters, I never expected to be so many monsters as there are in the final book. But what happened was, is that A, Corrin is incredible at designing creatures and monsters and demons and that kind of thing. But then also she kept putting stuff in the background, which was just spectacular. So she started to put the um, these statues of these weird angelic angels, um, angelic um, skeletons in the back with big swords and and I kept saying to her, well, what are these things? And she was like, well, I don't know. They're just there. And it was in a lot of the buildings where I 666 operate, these statues are there. And we have a central character called Hex, who's like the M character, the spy master, who's a very old um, being, very old soul trapped in the body of a sort of a, a 10-year-old, um, a quite evil 10-year-old. He's um, affectionately known as the little shit between us who, who work, on, um, work on the comic. And whenever he was there she started to put these 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 angels in and it was one of those brilliant moments because i knew that actually there would be angels playing um in 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 the story moving forward but i hadn't really considered how that how they looked or or what they how they would be involved and it tied again it's it tied together and and it meant that we could expand that entire mythos which yeah, was something just Karen added to, to try and get some atmosphere in the book. Um, so there's been loads of those cases, you know, things that she's drawn that I've been able to pick up and go, oh, that that solves a plot point later on, or that's something we get a different angle we can take it. As I said, there are far more demons in it now, physical manifestations of demons, just because I saw how much fun um, Corin was having drawing them, and I loved what she was coming up with. You have to say, her demon designs are Incredible. excellent. They are really, really good um and the world has expanded out a bit we've also mm. lost some characters mm. along the yeah. way from yeah. in some ways or another um how do you sort of decide you're like yes this character does need to die or 
you know, maybe we'll let this one live. I'm getting a reputation for killing characters. It's something that I get a reputation for in my Star Wars work quite a lot. And it's, it isn't something I do on a whim. And so we have, I don't want to give too many spoilers just because you haven't picked up the book and everyone should. Um, it's very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some characters, a, cu- a couple of the, one character was destined to die always. Um, and they had a very, you know, purposeful um, shelf life in the story because it it it, has, it plays into the the wider story. Um, and another of the character major characters died because um, when I was working out the story, I suddenly realised that it was the way it had to go. And and I think you don't do these kind of things just for what well, I don't. You don't do it just for shock value. But sometimes the story you go in such a way and. and I've got, and I know exactly where Shadow Service ends, um, but I've given myself a the freedom to explore the characters um, as we get there. And so, yeah, and one of them I honestly thought was going to be right to the end, and then I suddenly realised as I was plotting out one of the arcs, I was like, yeah, they're not going to make it, are they? Um, and and there, there is an element, you know, you want to you want to create a world where all bets are off, you know, any kind of super uh, secret agent work is dangerous, you know, um, especially if you're in this kind of this heightened reality that MI666 operating. And again, I wanted to give an idea that, you know, not everyone is going to make it through because that's the reality of the situation in this very, you know, strange, twisted, demonic world. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's always an interesting thing when you kill off a character and and there's one in particular the the last major character who died i really struggled with um because i wasn't ready for them to go but it told me that it was probably right because if i was grieving them then hopefully the readers would too and more importantly the other characters would and i think that's why why you do it um when you're creating a world like this where, where you do have deaths because they have to mean something for the other characters um and it has to change their trajectory not i'm not talking about fridging a character just because you want to make someone angry and rah i will go and take revenge and i will find you and da, 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 da. um but i know we you know you don't really talk about star wars but in the big star wars project i'm working on the high republic we it's become known now we killed off a character we expected to see through to the end of the project um after a long conversation because we suddenly realized what it would do to the other characters in a way of it would complete their story in a very different way and their their present was would actually be felt more with them not being there and so yeah you, you look at all those kind of things before you you work out if you're gonna give someone the old heave ho <laughs> no i mean i have i have mourned characters in shadow <laughs> service so that's that's worked that's worked yeah. There was one point because Corin didn't know um, about the first major death on the team. I didn't tell her until she got the script and she was bereft. She was absolutely bereft. And she was like, well, how can we find, we've got to get them back. And I was like, no, that's, uh, you know, you know, it's, it's, who knows with these characters, but I've largely tried to get to the idea that if someone goes, they get, they've gone. It's not going to, you know, it's not a world where people get resurrected left, right and center. We're not going to pull a Spock. And, um because again it has to be it has to mean something it has to be real you can't just have it you know you've killed kenny moment um but yeah so that was a shock for her when she was reading that issue and um i got lots of messages that day lots okay I, I can imagine um 
you have talked about you know exactly how it's going to end. You've, yes. you've planned it out because mm-hmm. um, it has expanded out quite a lot from how we started. Mm. Just Gina on her own running around the streets. Mm. Um, how long did it take you to sort of plot it all out? Was it things have changed as you've gone on, or do you know the definite ending? Think I know the definite ending, and most things like this, um, whether it's my own stuff or or an IP work, I usually write the end. So I've written the last page of Shadow Service, um, so I know where I'm going, and that's my north star. And so, um, but things have de- things have developed and changed because we're a team, and I think that's the most important part. Because you know, conversations we've had with with. Um, um our first editor tay and then adrian who's, who's come on um to to edit it in recent years between corin corin and myself and the other members of the team we've discussed things and we you know we and and i think that's really important in a comic especially in a creator owned because you have to everyone has to have a have some ownership in it and so always knowing where we're going is is important but yeah there are moments where We've had conversations and Corey said, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that storyline or I'm not with that outcome with these characters. I think, you know, we we should be pushing them in this direction. So because it's a partnership, I've, I've taken that on board. Um, but I said the ultimate last image, I know I know exactly what the last page is. And so I think that's always important to have to borrow from Doctor Who, those fixed points in time that you can't change. Mm. Um, but it's, it depends how you get there. And uh, that's how I plan most of these these stories is to, you know, to to give yourself the freedom to explore and for the characters to grow and the characters to surprise you. Um, because no matter how much you plan it, no matter how much you outline it out, you can get to a point and it suddenly doesn't seem right anymore. Um, so, yeah, so there's it's a it's a I'm, I'm definitely a planner. But um, I try and get, I try and build in those that space to to surprise myself. Yeah, and it does it does feel as well like it's a very collaborative comic. Mm. Like some comics you read and you think the the artist and the writer weren't weren't in touch on this one, but with Shadow Service it definitely does feel like you've all had an input. Yeah, we have a, a Slack group, and I mean, Corin is scary fast, so. Because she's in Texas and I'm in, in Bristol in the UK. So I can go to bed and see a, um, like a thumbnail of a page. And by the time I've woken up, there's been pencils and inks. Um, and she's also very quick at putting stuff when I, because there's been moments I've gone, oh, no, oh, stop. Because we, you know, that's, we can't do that. It's in two issues. We've got to do this. Um, and she's also very good at going, okay, fine. And we can go back and, and because the way she works as well, she works digitally and she works on loads of different layers. So we can, we can change things. It's not, I'm not making her suddenly redo an entire page um, <laughs> from scratch, but yeah. So, but we've got a, a Slack group. And so everything is, you know, we see every part of it. So they, they see various versions of the script. They see, I see all the artwork coming through and we all talk about it. Um, and that's been great. It's been a really, really good way of working. Um, you know, and most of the time with creator, I think you need to do that. Well, again, when you work in IP, you can sometimes write a script and then for the next thing you know, you've got the comic in your hands. You know, it's that's not the best mm. way of working. I hate working like that. Um, but it happens, you know, and there's stuff that I have when, yeah, you the, the last thing you say is when you send the script in and then you say goodbye. Um, I prefer to be more involved and 
you can't always get that but with creator own comic again that's why we do this because it is our world and so yeah this one especially i've, I've wanted it to be really clever well, all of my creator own comics i've tried to be as collaborative as possible excellent so we'll, we'll switch to another creator own comic mm -hmm. well sort of um we'll switch to the ward mm. <laughs> if that's yes. um the trade of which is out this month i believe it is. of it is, the yeah. four issues i've yeah. heard this rumor um that i'm gonna go with another thing er meets supernatural was a description yeah. that i came across yeah. but it's interesting because i got almost like a doctor who vibe from it in that <laughs> this is the kind of place the doctor would show up yeah it's um basically it's not it's not too difficult to get a doctor who vibe from any of my stories um and a lot of them are imagine this but with monsters um and er yeah it's definitely er supernatural er hellboy i think dark horse are promoting it as well because obviously they they are the house of hellboy um it's basically it's about a american emergency room um that deals exclusively with mythological creatures um who live in the sort of sewers and, and the various places that people can't see in this big american city called curtain which is made up um and yeah and it, it was absolutely my wife is obsessed with things like er and there was one program in particular called code black which there's a brilliant documentary called code black which is about the oldest emergency room in the states it's phenomenal and also if you can't take um you know, medical programs it's you know that you see proper operations happening it's you, you you have to be able to watch stuff without being screamish but it's incredible documentary and they did a spin-off drama series of it um and I love that one too. But I went, spent the entire time going, this would be so much better if one of the characters was a Minotaur. <laughs> and so um, that's where it came from, really. And uh, there was an amazing episode of Casualty, which is our version of of this kind of ER type program, where Colin Baker, Six Doctor Who, plays someone who thinks he's an alien. Um, and again, I've seen that always, episode. yeah. And I, I I always thought, well, it wouldn't have been great in the middle of ER. If he was an alien, you know, because, you know, what if we actually got a crossover with Doctor Who? So, yeah, um, the ward is kind of my, that's where that all comes from. So, yeah, it's it's a bunch of, it's exactly what you expect. There's a, a bunch of people in an ER working hard with so many different species that they have to operate on. And like the Code Black program was talking about, part of the drama and the joy of that program was people having to work side by side on different cases and run from one case to another. Um, and so that's the kind of feel we got, we tried to get with the ward. Yes, it does feel like it deals in some of those typical medical drama tropes. Mm. Was it, you know, was it just fun to subvert them and just do it with monsters? It was fun. It was really hard um, because I'm not actually a medically minded man at all. And um, I, I, I did end up watching a lot of medical dramas. Um, I was very lucky that one of my co-writers on Star Wars, Daniel Jose Older, used to be a, a paramedic. So he was exceptionally, um, exceptionally good um, to have around. And also the editor's um, wife is a doctor. So there's a little, um, the address for the hospital is, 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 is it's on the corner of the both their names um so yeah because they were great because I, I was running past so while i was writing it, i was running past, past daniel going imagine if a, a minotaur had come in with his horn missing what would you call that it'd be dehorned excellent <laughs> and what would they perhaps do in that situation if someone lost an arm or a leg or a head and um 
and so that was that sort of set up the script and then um the editor's wife would read it when i submitted it um and there were a couple of moments she was like oh no i mean but there are obviously we are dealing with i've tried to build a bit of folklore in there as well and so some of the the um medicines they use it's a very modern hospital but some of the medicines are sort of based on folklore as well so it was that kind of like halfway house of going you know it's got to appear realistic thankfully i haven't got to write an episode of er or gray's anatomy and get things right because that would be hell on toast um so yeah you can play a bit with some of the cures because um because it's magic um but it's magic yeah medicine and magic they're the same thing they are ultimately (laughs) Yeah. No, I think I think a minotaur would liven ER up, frankly. I think it would be. Yeah, and yeah, I think that. So that was one of the first. That was the pitch, and it's on the cover of the of the graphic novel of the trade. Um, yeah, the minotaur was was definitely right there, and a, a, gelat- a gelatinous cube, which I can I can say when I'm got a cold um, from D D and D. I just wanted to get one of those in because I just thought that'd be <laughs> that'd be a fun thing that they've had to bring in. A, you know, they've got a rough sleeper who's always getting eaten by these gelatinous cubes, so they have to try and get it out, but without harming the cube. I just thought that was cube. funny. So um, that's one of the cases that turns up. Yeah, I have to say it's nice to have that because it, it, there's some serious stuff going on in hmm. in the ward. But I think it's also nice that you have got those absolutely ridiculous bits of you've got some humour in there as well. Hmm. Um, hmm. Even the bit where she's trying to deliver the baby in the uh, underground <laughs> so, and yeah, so there's yeah. a giant, there's a giant, couple of giants who live in the sewers, and and the giant is very pregnant, the giantess, and she, and a human sized human has to give birth um, to this poor, you know, has to aid the birth of this this giant. And it's really funny because I've, I've got a friend of mine, George Mann, who I work with and we, we work on various things together. And he's got a big thing against giant babies. And I keep putting them in loads of stuff I write. He's <laughs> just got, he just doesn't like them. And I've, I, I wrote an episode of Ghostbusters where there's a giant, an, I'm sorry, an issue of Ghostbusters when there was a giant um, baby ghost. And he's just like, you're doing it on purpose now. I was like, yes, I absolutely am. So, because again, then they've got to get the baby to the hospital, and no one's supposed to know it's there. It, it just seemed a funny situation, but also, in you're in the middle of it, it must be the most dreadful situation, you know. So, yeah, and we do cut away when she has to actually crown the baby, you know, because that would be something that perhaps we had lots of conversations about how much we could show, um, and and what we could do, and because yeah, it's there are various versions of how that scene could run. Um, but I think we chose the tasteful one. Yeah, it was. It was. It was yeah. definitely tasteful. Um, things possibly slightly less tasteful in some regards. So Dead Seas is yes. the newest of your creator and yeah. stuff, which has had one issue out. The yes, second yeah. is out soon. Yes. Um, and I've, I've read various descriptions of how this one goes, all with the meats. Ghostbusters meets the Dirty Dozen, I think, was my favourite description. Oh, really? I've not heard that one. Okay. That's that cool. was one I found. I okay. spent, yeah. The Poseidon Adventure meets the Haunting of Hill House yeah, was the one that cropped up more. But I did yeah. come across someone that described it as Ghostbusters meets the Dirty Dozen. Which that's seemed... amazing. I love that. So, yeah, I mean, again, it, this is it goes back to my theory of, like, if I like something, put monsters in it. So I, I was a huge fan of 1970s disaster movies. Um, and when we were working on Star Wars The High Republic, The Poseidon Adventure was one of our keystone movies. We we, we all watched over and over again. We had a group of movies that we, we'd all watch when we were planning. And um, 
And it, it, again, I was watching it going, obviously, these things have amazing death counts, these these films. You know, people die every five minutes. What would happen if they were coming back as ghosts immediately? Um, and that's where, where it came from. And so, yeah, so it's an issue. Nick Brokenshire, who's an amazing artist um, from over here, um, he's providing the art. And his ghosts are just incredible. Um, we started work on that. I mean, this was pre-pandemic. We started work on on um, on and Dead Seas, and we just spent a good six months just making up ghosts, and um, when we should have really been making up the story, because Nick just kept sending me more and more of the most bizarre, like people with horses' heads and entrails uh, hanging out, and it was just like, where is this coming from? He's like, I don't know, and it's scaring me, um, <laughs> and so and and there is a giant baby in it, you know, just. I was going to gonna say. Yeah, because I love them. I think giant babies are amazing. There should be more giant babies in in fiction. Give me a giant baby. Giant, giant babies in everything, really. Yeah, yeah. I haven't got a giant baby in Shadow Service yet, but it's only a matter of time. I was going to say, are we, we going to expect Gina's going to come across something at some point? Yeah, it's, uh, it's um, going to be, I want it to become my trope. That's my aim in life. There are worse things to want out of your career. That's what you want to be known for. That's, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, it does feel like it could be set in the same world as Shadow Service as the ward could also be. Yeah. Um, mainly because monsters and ghosts and things. Yeah, I think the, the difference with Death Seeds is that everyone knows about everything. So the whole point of Shadow Service and the whole point of the ward is that is people keep keeping things secret. In Dead Seas, ghosts are just there and everyone has to deal with them every day. So um, the, the first issue starts with a girl who's been sent to bed by her parents and she can't because grandma's back again. Um, and the very dead grandma's coming back to sing lullabies to her granddaughter because that's what ghosts do. And so, yeah, it's, it's a world where it's just the, the spe- spectres and phantoms of our past just live alongside us all the time. Which must get really horrific. Really annoying. Yeah, really. I think that's that's what we try to get across is that no one's scared of the ghosts anymore. They're just there. And it's just like, oh, for goodness sake, can we just get some peace? Um, And yeah, that's sort of where the story starts from. Because it's interesting as well, because Dead Seas has a male protagonist, because we have Gus Mm. in Dead Seas as opposed Mm. to Nat in the Ward and Gina in Mm. Shadow Service. Is it how do you make the choice of what gender is going to be the the lead character or is it just does it just come naturally i think it depends on the i mean the the thing we said dead seas is about a group of convicts going onto a ship to scrape ectoplasm from the whores because ectoplasm's really good for you apparently um and and more valuable than oil in this world um and we just made the choice very early it was a, a bunch of male convicts so that's that's where it became gus and also um, there's, he has a Latin American uh, 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 past because so does Nick, the artist. Um, and so there was a, a lot of that in it. Um, with both Shadow Service and Nat, it was only afterwards that I realised that I was I'd written two comics with um, female car- female leads. It just they seemed right for the story. Um, and then I've ended up writing a big Star Wars series called The High Republic, which has a female lead. So it's just something. I feel quite comfortable. I, I live in, I've got two daughters, uh, you know, I live in a house full of women, women. It's just become part of my life. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't put, I don't really think about it until afterwards. It only really a, a 
occurs to me because um, you, you, you find the best character for the story and also the worst character for that story as well the, the character is going to struggle the most um, and so that's when it yeah it, it sort of comes comes naturally from that that basis so how do you foresee dead seas going <laughs> down oh no because it sinks um it's um <laughs> well i mean it's a six issue six issue series excuse me um and so after that it has a very definite end at the end of that six issues um i've written it all now nick's on issue five i think and um but we have obviously talked about how we could do more excuse me if um if the need arises but for me dead seas is very much a one and done excuse me <clears throat> sorry that's the spirit of nit brokenshire reaching across the ether to say don't tell people it's finished no <laughs> i'm doing more of this how dare yeah, you I've, I've done i've done designs for 978 ghosts <laughs> we need to fill them all um but that's the thing we, you know one thing we don't do in that story is we haven't explained a lot of the backstories of the ghosts and they've all got that got them so that's something we talked about is finding out more about who these ghosts actually are so there is it's definitely a jumping on point for a lot of other stories if if there's an appetite for them um for those particular characters it's it's their story um but the world has a lot to explore excellent um Right, I, that's all my questions done. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, you. I would recommend everyone go and read all those things because I have. I've enjoyed so them immensely. So, yes, if you've not read Shadow Service, start at the beginning, carry on. Um, the Ward's only four issues. It's a mini series. Mm -hmm. You can read that. And Dead Seas is just started. So, it's a good jumping on place. Good, so, good point. yes, yeah. thank you for your time. Um, and good luck with the rest of it. Good luck with your other stuff as well, your IP-related yeah. content. Space wizards and things like that, yeah. They, they, yeah. Uh, I, I never get far away from them. The space wizards are always there. Yeah. With the giant babies. There's yes, a crossover. Right. <laughs> it, I mean, to be honest, that one day a giant baby will appear in Star Wars. It'll be a giant Ewok baby. But, you know, now I've got to make that happen. I'm going to say that that's it now. You said it. Yeah. It's out there. Yeah. No, I would, I would definitely revisit anything that involves a giant Ewok baby. So yeah. there you go. I think there's a market Wouldn't for it. All. Yeah. It was at least me. Yes. So thank you very much. And I hope that your, your voice recovers soon. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry about the choking and nearly dying there. That's all right.